Hang on guys, before we start this episode of West Underground, I just want to say, you see that little uh, sub button down there, it says subscribe, hit it. Hit it as many times as you want, but make sure you're subscribed and also hit the little bell. Cheers. Hello and welcome to West Underground today. We have a very, very exciting episode. Uh, me and Paul are ecstatic and uh, I can't believe that this is actually happening, to be honest. Uh, we have Dave Eastgate joining us and uh, what can I say? Stuntman, um, comedian, actor, uh, writer. Like, guys, I don't have enough fingers to give, you know, give this man all the credits. He is due. And, like, this man is an absolute legend. He's been up <laughs> since 7 o'clock on set today and he's still joining us. And uh, thank you very much, Dave. And, mate, if you've been on set today, what, what have you been – what's that been like and what have you been – what have you been doing? Um, man, I'm doing a, a new uh, TV series for Acorn TV. Um which is a streaming channel, which is all British and Australian shows. And some of the shows they make, some of the shows they buy, the shows that we know. But anyway, it's for a foreign audience, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah, I've been on set with Brian Brown and Greta Scarchi, who are two legendary, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Legendary sure. Australian uh, actors. Um, very small role. I don't, I'm an extra. I'm an extra. No, I'm not. I'm not. I've got <laughs> life, man. I'm, I've got a gun. Uh, so it's day three of shooting with um, these amazing uh, and, and filmmakers across the board, like the director, the uh, camera guys, they're top of the line and just some of whom I've worked with before, but it's been really exciting. It's been really good. And, and you just mentioned there some like legends of cinema and uh, also I, you know, I know a little bit about your, some of your previous history and you've worked with legends before, but what does it actually feel like? What did it feel like today for you to be, you know, on a set with, you know, cinema legends? Like. It, it, Amish, it's been, it, it's, it's a, a weird experience because there's a lot going on. Like, um, Oh, by the way, shout out to Paul. Paul, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Dave. How's it going? Him. There he is. There he is. Pops up. Hey, guys. All right, fuck off, Paul. <laughs> Hamish and I are having a chat. <laughs> Fucking Paul ruined. He just interrupts everything. Like, it's unreal, man. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, come back, Paul. I feel like I've offended Paul. Come back, Paul. Oh, yeah, hi. I'm a bit afraid now, Dave. Right. More, more. I love you. Look at you with my T-shirt in the background over your little ear. You're so gorgeous. I've been waiting for this for a whole week, Dave. So I thought I'd put it up for you. Right, you've been waiting for this for your whole life, Paul. Don't, don't lie to anybody. I love you, brother. Love you too, Dave. Um, just for the viewers, I know these guys from Frankie's Pizza, where my band does the karaoke and uh, my band is in the background. Paul's plugged it plenty of times on the show. Thank you, Paul. Thank I love God. that. I got, 
I got one new follower after the last time, and I'm stoked about it. You're a legend. Look at you, your cute little fucking face. Um, he's got a beautiful. So that's our T-shirt. That's Dan T-shirt. And I've got Robert Plan as well. So I've got two legends behind me. I thought I'd put them up at the same time. Robert, I'm with Robert Plant because I know you've been swapping the T-shirts for every episode. Oh man, that's that's very sweet. Okay, fuck off, me and Hamish are having a chat. <laughs> Hamish. Hamish, come in, yeah. Hamish. I'm, 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 I'm here, Dave. We're on Zoom, aren't we? We so are. The audience Dave. knows that. We're going to drop in and out. Well, I hope so. Um, mate, yes, mate. I how does it feel? It feels fucking awesome, bro. It's it's really good, man. It's it's uh, it's a privilege, and you know, uh, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, that goes into that. So. Yeah. Like, are you, are you at a point now where I imagine when you started your career, especially in comedy, it would have been a very like hard, hard start for those few years. But now are you at a point where you think, fuck, man, I'm living the dream. Like I'm living, you know, um, what I, you know, what I wanted. You've, you've got to that, uh, to, you know, to a, a position where I think, you know, is very, very, like very competitive and very hard for a lot of people to get to. Are you, you know, is it, do you feel like, fuck, man, I've made it? Now, yeah, now, no, but yeah, in the past, I've come to lots of places where I thought I've made it. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. Um, it's very much a just, it's such a cliche, but it's a podcast we don't have a lot of time. It's a journey. It really is. Like, it's not a destination. Um, there, are, there are certain milestones. There are certain achievements that you have throughout your life. Um, but really, the learning and the growth comes from the mistakes, you know? That's that's what it's all about. It's about having a crack and failing and getting up again and just chasing, you know, that dream. Like, and so for a long time as a young bloke, I, I, um, you know, I guess I was chasing this. You know, there's a dream. There's a, but that's not how life works you know it's never just going to be what you imagine it's going to be and there's going to be good parts and bad parts so yeah it's like it's a it's i haven't made it to answer the question i haven't made it by any means but yeah i've made it man. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah of course I've, of course i've made it Fuck, man. I've played a band, you know, well, you know, when Frankie's was still on, but we send each other recordings and, you know, I'm doing TV with Brian Brown and Greta Scacci and, you know, COVID's sucked, but I haven't been able to travel, but whatever. Yeah, I made it. 
So it feels awesome. Talking about your expandable talents, where did it all start for you? Expandable talents is probably the best way to sum me up. <laughs> I've got lots of expandable talents, Paul, but um, I started, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I started at Dreamworld. Well, I started in high school, I guess, doing theatre sports and or primary school, you know, doing singing lessons and dancing lessons and and stuff. When I grew up in Papua New Guinea, I went to a, a performance arts school, but it was like an extracurricular after school thing that I did. And and um, mum recognised early on that I liked performing, and you know, kind of got me interested in in that kind of you know, as a discipline, you know, it was um, my whole family's from the army. So my dad, my brother, my uncle, my grandfathers, um, great-grandfathers, there's uh, my brothers. I've got two brother-in-laws and a sister-in-law that have all served in the army and my, you know, like it's crazy, right? But it's all about discipline, you know, and so I got into performance. You know, she obviously knew that I was precocious and and um, and extroverted and whatever and kind of pushed me in that direction. Like, okay, there's an actual discipline behind performance, you know, like learning to sing, learning to dance, um, learning to play music and 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 all that kind of stuff was um, really important in in my life. But the first gig that I ever got was performing at Dreamworld as a stuntman in the Bush Ranger stunt show. I don't even know if you guys are old enough. To... How old are you guys? Uh, I'm 26. Oh, I'm 26. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. So what year were you born in, Paulie? Uh, 1995. That's when I, my God, that's my last year of high school. And getting into starting at Dreamworld, I started in December 1995. Yeah, December 95. And I got the job as, as a stuntman in the Bush Ranger stunt show, which I watched as a kid. Uh, I was this stunt show where you, you, you get on this boat in Dream on this steam boat with the big paddle wheeler kind of thing, and it goes around this little self or not self but man made canal. Um, and uh, yeah, you watch this Bush Ranger stunt show from the ship and all these gunpowder fucking you know like uh blank shooting blanks out of revolvers and like oh man i was 16 like 1995 <laughs> i can't believe that's when you were born i'm sorry boys we're going back on a it's a magical time but um yeah but that was my first that's how i got into it man like was where i lived on the gold coast 
I liked performing. There was an ad in the paper. My mum saw the ad in the paper, said, why don't you go to Dreamworld and do this audition? Okay, cool. You know, and I did it and it just opened my whole world up to this world of professional performance. You know, I worked with these men and women who were singers and dancers and actors and, you know, some of them had amazing careers and some of them had, you know, just, you know, are not performing anymore and, you know, that was one of, you know, that's, yeah. But, um, yeah, theme parks, 10 hey, years. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I just had a, I just had a question. You would have been, yeah. you, said you were 16 when you started at, at yeah. uh, you know, working in the theme park, but you would have still been in school at that time. So how did you kind of balance, you know, uh, you know, doing something like that, which I imagine is really, really fun with, you know, kind of schooling and all that. So that's the thing is that in 1995, I was 16 years old. Yeah. So I grabbed, I graduated high school at 16 years old because in Queensland, oh, I see. you had to be 17 to graduate. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. So, but now it's different. Now you are 18 when you graduate and has been, I think, I think we would almost, if not the last one of the last years where you graduated at 17, and so somewhere along with my schooling, because I, I have all these cutoffs with birthdays and all this sort of stuff, um, still do, but there was this, oh, I, because my family was in the army, I grew up in Papua New Guinea and Queensland and Victoria, and I was born in New South Wales. And we, in, in my early years, we were traveling all the time, always. Um, before I was born, um, my parents, my brother lived in Syria and Israel um, because my dad was a UN peacekeeper with, um, well, the UN peacekeeping forces who lived in Israel and Syria and Lebanon and Jordan and, uh, and Egypt and the Sinai Peninsula. And like, yeah, so, because of that, I happen to be that guy in every year in school. There's always some kid that's like a year younger than everybody else. Yeah. You know, so when all my mates were 17, they're getting their learner's permits, whatever. I'm like, so I spent my first year of uni when I, when I was 17, you know, which was far too young. And I had applied... So my first year of uni, I got into the education degree at Central Queensland University in Rockhampton, which, by the way, sorry if I offend any listeners out there, Rockhampton is a fucking shithole, right? <laughs> in Queensland, right? I mean, fuck. Like, I think you got a bad in Western Sydney, bro. Go to Rockhampton and tell me your problems, you know? And... So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of like, you know, my dreams are over because I couldn't get into the drama schools because at school all I did was performance. I played in bands, started my first band when I was 10, first real band when I was 12, 
Matt, Max, maybe, if you want to call that a real band. I don't know. But it, it kind of it, it, it shattered my dreams. I, I applied for NIDA. I applied for QUT. I applied for um, James Cook University in Townsville. Didn't let me in. You know, I couldn't get a gig, you know, like I couldn't get into any of the universities. When I finally got into the into a university, I didn't give a shit about it anyway. Because I just all I wanted to do was be on a stage. And so halfway through my I finally I had enough credits to relocate back to the Gold Coast to Griffith University. Um and get into their theatre arts degree where you would do a little bit of a little bit of everything, I guess. But it was more kind of our lecturer, Mike Foster, who's still a good, really good friend of mine, um, and who ran the program, um, he kind of said to me, you're wasting your time at uni. You, you're on stage every weekend doing stand-up, you're here, you're there, you're every creating stuff and you're not doing your assignments and you're not showing up on time to lectures that you don't care about. So go forth, you know, just go and do your own thing. And that's when I got into stand-up. And so then stand-up then was kind of my focus because with stand-up, um, And what was that? What was the? Was there much of a stand-up um, uh, scene at that time? Yeah, yeah, there was massive, Yeah, 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 yeah. There, well, say that, say that again. Let's start again. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, was there much at that at that time? Was there much of a stand-up um, like scene up in up in Queensland? I, I, all I can think of, I imagine Carl Barron would have opened some doors up in Queensland, but at that time, but. Um, you know, how, how do you kind of do that too? Like just transition into stand-up comedy? Cause that, I feel like that's something you, you need to almost have like a, like a suit of armor to do, because I imagine starting out in stand-up comedy would be, would be, um, you know, a very, very ruthless, um, hard, hard thing to do. Stand-up comedy is, uh, it, is a platform which enables you to be your own writer, producer, director, and actor, performer. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, a lot of people are afraid of it. And it seems like it's this, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big barrier for a lot of actors and performers that I think would be amazing stand-up comedians. Yeah. And they, they are just sworn off it, you know. So, and it also attracts a lot of maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> it attracts a lot of fucking delusional people, maybe, you know, me included. But... Um, but it does allow you to produce, write, direct, perform, you know, and um, 
and that's what attracted me to it. And that's kind of what I guess I've built my career around is just doing my, just creating my own stuff, you know. What was your first experience like when you when you suddenly you know took that leap of faith in your in in yourself your abilities and stuff like that to jump on a stage in front of people, and and be funny? I imagine you'd prepared you know weeks and weeks and weeks up to it. But I imagine when you start anything, you're not you haven't you haven't got you're not a master at it yet. You're only a you're only a beginner. But man, like how did, did the bombs at the start of or did you have any bombs? Like was it was it a tough gig to begin with? Oh, actually, to be honest, um, no, I was pretty good early on. Like, it took me a while to bomb. I knew, I knew what I had. Like, I wasn't going up on that stage. But also, I guess, I mean, depends what you call the start. No, I, I, I guess I kind of eased because I had the dancing and the singing and the move, like just being able to move and I was very energetic and I had, like, um you know i had this I, I i i knew what i wanted to be i wanted to be explosive and and i knew that because i guess that was the armor when you talk about the armor the armor was my confidence in what i was doing and so i kept things pretty simple and and i did um i went on hey hey it's saturday uh do you parents probably watch that show right like in the late 90s i went on hey hey it's saturday and um paulie yeah i've seen i think i've seen a few of your clips on youtube from that show well they wouldn't let me put it on youtube oh really i thought i saw something no nah. might have been something else then you're a oh, liar yeah, i've heard paulie. of i've heard of the show liar you're a liar <laughs> I've heard of the show, though. You're yeah, out. I've heard of it. Get Paulie off the podcast. <laughs> uh, nah, nah, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, but so that was, uh, yeah, so Red Faces was a segment on Hey Hat Saturday where they judge new talent, you know, and uh, it was awful, god-awful acts. Anyone could get on that thing, right? Just weirdos and desperados like myself, you know? And so I entered that and that was our big thing. But even uh, all the while though, I was working on a day job in the theme park. Yeah. And that really helps me build my confidence and build my, um, like invaluable. I did 10 years of theme parks and five years in Japan um which was uh an amazing time just on the topic of japan what was the experience like over there mate it's a very interesting uh place obviously if anyone's been there it's it's a it's contradictory there's a lot of technology and yet there's a lot of tradition there's a lot of um deep like sexual depravity <laughs> and a lot of um uh, what's the uh,
Um, culture? <laughs> no, what's the word? Um, oh, fuck. But uh, uh, sexual reservations. Yeah. You know, I guess. Um, oh, what's the fucking word? Give me one second, boys. Give me one second. Cut this shit out. Give me one second. Um, oh, what's it put? Okay. I was thinking cartoons and tentacles, but. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of cartoons and tentacles. It's crazy. There's this amazing kind of prudishness. You know, they're so prudish because they cover all the genitals in the in the porn. Yeah. And you know, but it's this depraved pornography with tentacles and fucking all sorts of shit. <laughs> um and so yeah, so there's a lot of contradictions in the culture. It's it's like they're very welcoming and and wonderful and also a little bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, you know, it's it's kind of yeah, it's a very strange place, you know, compared to our um, existence in Australia or or you know, fuck. I grew up in Papua New Guinea, you know, Japan. Is, is strange to me, but uh, it's um, but I love it nonetheless. I absolutely love Japan. And uh, so, did you learn the language when you're over there? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nihongo shabarimasyo. Datte sa ori wa nihonjin desu. De ori sa. <laughs> no idea what you said, but uh, Kanichiwa. Nah, you can translate it, man. I'll translate it for you. It, I said you guys are great. Oh, cheers. Oh, thanks. And I yeah, love yeah. your podcast and I'm very honored to be a part of it. Cheers. Might, we might um translate it anyway, just in case. Oh, the subtitles but, um... are lately. <laughs> hey, Dave, this I've, just, on. I've got one question for you. Paul yeah. Paul's just Paul's jumped to Japan, but we were we were we were just in Queensland. So what was kind of the motivating forces and the and the drive to pack up your pack your bags and go to go to Asia? Um the job was at Universal Studios Japan and um, they, I, I'd done five years in Dreamworld and Movie World here on the coast and there was a theatre restaurant that I worked at um, called Crazy's, uh, Crazy's Comedy Box in uh, Broadbeach here and that was a theatre restaurant style show where we did sketch comedy and music and dance and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I was, I just turned 22 and, um, and went over, got the, got the job and was paying good American dollars and Japanese yen in per diems. And, and um, so it was really good money, 
which I fucking spent. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I spent all of it. It was great. It was a good time. Uh, <laughs> guitars and drum kits and oh my god I remember holidays it was amazing so I spent five years in, so it was the money and the and the job that took me there but then once I was there the culture and and the ability back then um they've stopped it now there's one guy who ruined it for everybody but you used to be able to go and do gigs outside of of work if as long as you didn't get paid um you know uh, and this is 20 years ago. So, you know, cash was a thing. Cash isn't a thing anymore. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. We were, I was playing Japanese punk bands and doing Japanese stand-up comedy and, and um, yeah, performing and doing, you know, just writing music and writing comedy and comedy and music. And it all seemed to kind of, for me anyway, it just all seemed to work together, you know. The comedy and music go together, Dave, hand in hand, because I, I, I this lockdown, especially in, in Sydney, I've, I've exhausted my Netflix for all the comedy specials I can possibly find. I've watched so much, but one parallel, like um, I play music and anyway, when I'm, when I'm watching this, one thing I've taken away from it, I suppose, in this lockdown is like after a while, you can start to see the mechanics behind different, different writers. And, and it kind of, and I imagine musicians probably have a closer link with comedians than maybe other art forms. I'm just wondering, do you think it goes to like hand in hand together? Like when you're writing a joke, you have to obviously have a, you know, a punchline and you also kind of have to have a part of it where it's, you're setting up the joke and then you've, you know, it, it, it's kind of like writing a, writing a song. Is it like that? Because I, I'm just an observer watching it and I'm wondering that I can see a huge, huge crossover between the two. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, it, it's, it's about, you know, um, yeah, it's, and, and so is acting. So is, it's telling a story, you know, at the end of the day, a joke is a story and, and, and it's, you know, it can be a really short story, you know, or it can be quite a long protracted story, but along the way with comedy, you've got to pepper it with, some laughs you know it's, it's a good and and that's the thing there's people that do one-liners and there's people that do storytelling and and or, you know a lot more long form kind of material there's they call it confessional comedy which is you know people talking you know about very personal stuff which i kind of i i, I, I dabble in a little bit but i i'm more kind of um Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my hit song is called Little Dick. So <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it, I'm, I'm perfectly confessional. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, look, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. Um, and it, but as I say, you know, you, you're in control, you know, and, and the things, you know, like what I did today you know we talked about at the start of the podcast was um 
you know, I was on set making a TV show and, you know, it's one episode of a TV show. Um, and it, and, and this is five minutes in that one episode of the TV show and it takes fucking forever to make. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's, there's so, and there's so many moving parts in that. And so as, a, as an actor in that show, um, you're just the chess piece. You know, you're, you're, you're being moved around. You're being told what to say, where to stand, how to stand, how to say what you're saying. And, um, and also a lot of that is you offer that to the director. Like you turn up on set knowing what he's going to want because you've read the script and you, you know, like it's, you know, it's not, you're not a robot. I guess, yeah, yeah. but but you know you have a, you have a certain amount of creative control with with uh, working in in film and TV. However, you're a part of a bigger thing. You're a small part. You're a small cog in a bigger wheel. And with stand up, you're on your own. Yeah. You know, even in a band, you're you you've got other people. Everybody pulls together, and you all have a common focus and there's a collaborative thing where stand-up is very much, and that's why it's so competitive. And to be frank, it's, it's quite a toxic culture um, within the community, you know, within stand-up. It's very clicky and everyone's out to snipe at everyone else because, um, you know, you're all on your own. You know, it's every man for himself out there and, and um, every person for themselves. Um, yeah, so, yeah, stand-up, I think, has been the hardest thing for me to... And is the thing that I kind of keep working on. It's, it's, it's the, I think, for me, I'll always come back to stand-up, Yeah, you know? Who were your who were your influences? Like you said, you were you know wanting to be explosive when you started your career in stand up. Were you looking to people in the states like Sam Kinison, or were you staying very much in Australia and just kind of keeping your eyes on um, what's going on? Like, who were your influences? Uh, yeah, well, Kinison in the eighties. So I was born in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Um. So in eighty seven. 88, I'm starting to know and discover at eight, at the ages of eight and nine, I guess, I'm starting to discover what stand up comedy is. Yeah. I, I'm not, uh, prior to that, I knew what comedy was. My, my, my father listened to The Goons, The Goons, um, The Goon Show. Have you ever heard of that? I, I, I have. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the listeners have, but there's a there was a show in the '60s with Peter Sellers was the most famous. As Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan were the most famous comedians out of that. It was a British radio uh, show, a serial show. So it was a story of these crazy characters called the Goons, and and Harry Second was a part of that. And and that was this 
like I just remember dad laughing to that all the time and and um it, it, it was a five minute thing that would come on at midday every day on the radio back then kids we didn't have fucking podcasts <laughs> so, anyway but my parents weren't particularly musical it like well, their music certainly wasn't to my taste, but you know, so I kind of knew what laughter was, I knew what funny was, but stand up comedy, Bill Cosby, I don't know if that's controversial anymore or whatever, but I was a massive Bill Cosby fan. Um, rude around at that time, in the in yeah, a- but it took me a while, I didn't get on to Rodney until later. Yeah. And prior to Rodney, I'll tell you why I didn't get into Rodney. Like it was just all the dickheads at school like Rodney Rude. And obviously Rodney got thrown around heaps. But I think by the time I actually, because back in those days you would tape tapes and give tapes to people. Kevin Bloody Wilson was, was so I got on to Kevin Bloody Wilson probably before Rodney. I never got into Rodney late because it wasn't as easy as just Googling someone. You just have to deal, you just have to get what you got. But. Kevin Bloody Wilson, even I got into later, like, because I just didn't have access to it. I grew up in New Guinea as well. So it was more Eddie Murphy, raw. So I'd, I'd seen, I wasn't shocked by Rodney Rude. Yeah. By that stage, I think. Um, whereas all the kid, the other kids kind of were. Yeah. Oh, no, like, it's not to say I respect those guys. And I certainly loved Kevin Bloody Wilson. Um, and then Cole Elliott was another guy I'd, I'd kind of gotten into. He was an Aussie comedian who I've worked with since. And, like, he's not famous, but he's a kind of a bit of a legend in my eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're out there, kids, Cole Elliott, it's bad. No, it's, 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 it hasn't aged well, <laughs> these guys. But I tell you what, has aged well, if you want to check out some good 80s Aussie comedy, is the Doug Anthony All-Stars. The Doug Anthony All-Stars were probably the biggest comedic influence on me. They were my tenacious D. You know, they were... Oh, man. So, yeah, those guys... Lena Woodley were also a massive influence for me um, in the more in the nineties. Um, but yeah, it was yeah those pretty much. I always kind of cite those two acts, and they were duos and trios, which is what the kind of comedy I did in Japan was always in a duo or or a trio, and and. Um, uh, and Japanese comedy is primarily in duo. So I really love duos. Like oh, another one, another great one is Abbott and Costello, obviously, like they're from way before I was born. But um, yeah, so like that 80s and 90s time was, it was electric, you know, I really and gravitated towards. So Doug Anthony All Stars were a musical act. A musical trio. So were Landon Woodley. They were a musical duo, but they didn't just do music. They did music and comedy. And in between the songs, they had banter, and they had this other fucking. And they were kind of characters. They were 
caricatures of themselves. And um, it was that mix, though, particularly those two acts, Lana Woodley and Doug Anthony Allstars, with this, and even the Goon Show that Dad used to listen to, was, was a mixture of jokes and characters and music that I just, that brought it all around for me. So it was like, I want all of that. I want to play characters. I want to do silly voices. I want to sing and make music and sing funny songs. And I want an audience to laugh, you know? Um, is that a good was that a good strategy at the time like is it better to, is it better in comedy to have your eggs in lots of baskets or in one basket oh man there's a lot more successful comedians than me who have stayed in their lane and you know like it's not and again i you know i want to stress that like it's not it's not all glitz and glamour by any fucking mean you know but Say that again. It's not all glitz and glamour by any fucking means. It's just not. Yeah. It's just not, man. Um, you know, it's you know, people. There's a lot of luck. There's a lot of politics that's involved in in success. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of shitty gigs. You know, there's a lot of shitty gigs. Is and there gig one that comes to mind that's kind of funny, like a good story to tell? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a couple. Once in Birmingham, in the UK, I bombed really hard in Birmingham and the crowd booed me off the stage. Uh, I did a gig at the Download Festival in the UK. Yeah. Um, in front of like a thousand people. And I walked out on stage and they're all standing, which is awful for comedy. Comedy, you want people sitting, sitting and watching. And so they're not distracted. So they're just focusing on you. You want people standing around in you know, like a mosh pit. Nobody's, and you're never funny. I've never had a good gig in front of a crowd. I did the gimpy country music muster and got hurled fucking beer cans and Bundaberg rum cans and like just awful. <laughs> uh, but Download Festival, I walked out and I just misread the room. So I walk out, the first thing somebody says is home and away or home and away. And I'm like, mate, it was like one of my first gigs in the UK. And I've gone, mate, that's the fucking dumbest heckle I've ever fucking heard. You're an idiot. What like oh, I can't remember what I said, but it was along that, along those lines. It was I, I maybe funny, maybe not. Anyway, but I just I was like, mate, you're a fucking like they told me, that's what I said. They told me the UK you guys are the best hecklers in the world and that the, I should fear you guys. And you just yelled home and away, you know, next time your mouth wants to shout something out, tell your brain to tell your mouth to shut the fuck up. And everyone booed. 
right? Everyone booed. And then I started going in the audience. Fuck you, boo. And I'm emceeing this show. I've got to bring other comedians on, right? And I'm like, oh, I couldn't believe it. It was fucking awful. And I find out later that they were booing him, not me. They were booing the guy who said home and away. Oh. So <laughs> no. I called them all cunts. And sorry, I don't know if you can use that, but I've called them all fuckwits. Yeah. And they have, I thought they turned on me. So then I became more combative with them and it just turned into this clusterfuck of, oh man. <laughs> so that was bad. Birmingham got booed off. Oh, the other one was, um, oh, it's too long of a story to tell. So it's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I imagine that, that it's uh, like, does it, does it make you want to work harder if you have a bomb or does it fuck you up the other way and go, man, I just, I, I don't like this. Like I want to, I want to, you know, get out of stand up comedy for, for a week and then you kind of convince yourself back into it. Is it one of those Boys, kind of relationships? Mate, it's 26 years. Of course <laughs> it's, you, you got to stick at it. Like, yeah, it does. It's got to, you've, that's how you learn, you know, it's like skateboarding. What's the hardest thing about skateboarding? the fucking concrete, <laughs> you know, that's, it, it, it's just, and in saying that, that's what I hate about skateboarding. It hurts and I don't want to do it. So I don't, I skate, I, I ride my skateboard, but I don't do, I don't do bowls and tricks and ollies and I don't want to hurt myself. I just want to, just want to <laughs> surf the, the sidewalk, you know, like, so, yeah, you've got you've gotta suck. It's got to hurt. It has to. And life does. You know, that's the other thing is that, yeah, life sucks for everyone. Like, it's, it's not, it's, it doesn't suck as much as it did for our grandparents. Life really sucked for them, but not, as, but not nearly as much as their grandparents. Yeah. This life sucked even more, you know. But life sucks. It's it's full of like doesn't matter, you know. Life is, you know, it's hard. It's hard. But but that's what's also equally to round out that thought. That's what's beautiful about life, because life is also fucking awesome. And you know. Um, you know, it is it is a journey, not a destination, and and I'm I'm blessed to have, fuck, what a dumb thing to say, but I'm hashtag blessed <laughs> <laughs> about you know where I'm at in my life, but you know, so so is my sister, you know, who's a school teacher, um, and uh, you know, at a state school on the Gold Coast, the the same school that she went to school at when we moved back from PNG. Wow. Um, you know, uh, you know, everyone has their everyone has their ups and downs and it can from the outside it can look like it's this really glamorous um, thing and it's really cool and 
and exciting, and it is in its its own way. But it, yeah, it's fucking it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of you know sucking, you know, a lot of sucking up on stage and getting pelted with beer, beer cans and booed and and you know anyway. At the start of this podcast, we said to you, um, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of talking about where you're at now, but I'm imagining like, and I, like I'm only 22. So I'm at the age you were when you were, you know, heading off to Japan, packed your bags and, you know, went over there. Oh, I'm just starting to notice now. Which like, is, which is also 20 fucking years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> well, you look good for your age, Dave, anyway. That's and uh, and uh, I was just, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier today and I was saying, you know, there's things that you want, you know, in your brain, right? And you think, fuck, it'd be great if I you had that or got that or you did this. And, and you kind of, you kind of, you know, achieve little victories along the way. But those little victories were, you know, um, hard work to get to. But once you, once you kind of got there, it's opened another door, which there's another challenge inside of that, which there's another challenge inside of that. So I'm I, like, you know, I, I wonder, like, is there, is there ever is there ever a point where you're like fuck I'm successful I've done it or is there always a point of you get a key to a door you unlock that door and there's another door in that fucking room and you've got to go through that one and that one and that one and that one? Oh man, no, absolutely no. It's and 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 I'll tell you what. It's it's more of open that door and now I'm in a in a new room and. You know, this is the this is the room that I thought, you know, I've made it. This is the end. And then you see another door and you go, oh fuck, okay. And then you go, all right, there's, there's, you know, I guess there's always there's always those. I mean, if you want to use that metaphor, but you know, so there's always something like there's always someone who's just a little bit of ahead of you in life. Yeah. I don't own a house. I've been bankrupt. Like, you know, I've, yeah, I've fucking, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've burned a lot of bridges, you know. I've had a lot of fuck-ups, you know, because I went through the wrong doors, you know. But then I've had these amazing things as well. But, yeah, so... Of course, it's 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 never. You've never. Who's made it? Like, what has made it? Like, is is it is made it? Jeff Bezos made it. Like, that's what I'm asking you. Like, I I, I'm just wondering because it feels like that for for me at the moment. I'm just noticing that there's a little you where where you where you conceptualize. Okay, I'll make it if you know I'll I'll be happy if this happens. And you kind of have that happen, and then you're like, okay, yeah, another thing and another thing, thing. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, there's yeah, yeah. That's you. you it, it, that's a good point. Like, you, obviously, you've got little goals that you set yourself, and you've got big goals that you set yourself. You know, that's the other thing is that you know you have these big goals and these lofty goals that you're like, you know, eventually I'd love to have this, but you got to knock those goals off as you go. Like it's, it's a, you got to, you got to play what's in front of you in a, in a you know, in a, in a rugby league um, 
uh, metaphor, you know, or a sports metaphor. You've got to play what's in front of you. You really do. Like you've got to, you kind of got to roll with the punches, but you, you've got to work hard and you've got to write and you've got to, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is a long journey. And a guy I worked with today, uh, Marco Sinegalia, um, is an amazing stunt man, an amazing stunt coordinator on, on a lot of, and he was my stunt double today on this TV show. And, you know, he's also a filmmaker and he's also a Groucho Marx impersonator. <laughs> I met him 20 years ago at Movie World and, and when I worked at Movie World and, and he, you know, back then he was an amazing stuntman, but, you know, he had a couple of strings to his bow and he kind of, but also like he's, you know, he's saying to me today, like he's 50, I'm 42, like, and it, it goes so quickly you know, and he's still doing film and he's still doing stunts on films and he's, but he's making films and he's writing scripts and he's, he's still working. He's someone who, you know, I'm surprised if anybody out there had ever heard of him, but we also within the industry, um, you know, particularly the stunt industry and film industry, like, a lot of fucking people know who this guy is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so for every superstar and fucking, you know, whatever that's out there, there's, there's plenty of other people that are floating around um, that are very, you know, successful and professional and, and constantly working and, you know, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's a hustle. It's all the fucking big, it's one big motherfucking hustle. And you can be at the top of the fucking pile one day and you can be at the bottom of the fucking pile the other day. It's ruthless. It's ruthless. So there's never any sense of, and if you, and if you do have this like complacency, I think this thing, this idea of making it, it, it is this idea of complacency. You know, that that's where I'm happy with that. And I'm happy with all of it. Like nothing ever happens. Like I had a fucking really good run. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. But no, but I, but also I, I don't know if I could live with myself if I wasn't trying to create shit. Yeah. Like, fuck that fucked up. God damn it. I'm bankrupt. I'm back to square one. How do you get out of that, Dave? Like I, I've in, I've in that experience where the 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 you know where the staircase goes down, and I'm just wondering how do the fuck do you pull yourself out of that out of that hole? Sometimes you you be honest with yourself. That's the that's where it, I guess it has to start with honesty with yourself. Where are you at? What are you doing? What are you doing wrong? You know, what, what, have, what have you got? You know, what are you doing right? What have you done right? Do that. Do, you know, and that means, you know, it's very, it comes back to simple shit. Control what you can control. Eat what you need to eat. Drink what you need to drink. Don't, you know, don't you're in control of what goes into your body and what comes out of your body and that's it yeah 
you, that you're in control of only what you can control. So, you know, um, yeah, you just got to suck it up. And so, and that's where, um, you know, mental health and, and but physical health, firstly, you know, concentrate on your physical health, be physically healthy, get sleep, you know, get, um, get exercise, exercise, diet. I don't mean go on a diet, but just exercise, diet. Um, they're really important. Be active, um, write every day. So I have a diary, you know, I have a, I have a, sort of, uh, it's kind of a journal, you know, I write, I write creative stuff, but it's not a journal and it's a diary and I make sure that I write it because I've got ADD. So I write everything in my diary and make sure I've got reminders for everything. There it is right there. It's fucking right, it's fucking right there. Um, I write in pencil. I've got an eraser so I can, you know, do shit out. But um, every day in my diary, it says train, practice, write. Train, you know, exercise, practice my guitar and write. And those things can be interchangeable in the sense that, um, and I'll cross off only what I've done. Like if I haven't trained, but I have practiced and written, then that's cool. But writing can be as simple as, um, constructing a really well-worded email, <laughs> you know what I mean? An email that takes you fucking an hour to write and really taking your time with, you know, it's an important email, you know, that can constitute, for me, that's writing because that's working with words and where do the words go and how do I fucking, how do I construct this? This is a really sensitive topic or this is a really sensitive email I don't want to come across as a dick. How do I construct that? You know, what words do I use? You know, so, um, yeah, you know, or it can, it can be, well, today I had a conversation with my guitarist about the music that we want to create moving yeah. further, you know, and it's just a conversation, but that's writing, you know, that's creating. So yeah, so train, practice, write. You know, if that's if you're creative, but but if you're not creative, then don't write. But just train and practice whatever you, you know, if you're a fucking plumber. Practice plumbing. You know, working is practicing. You know, it's also but but train. You know, go and exercise. Do some push-ups. Get get you know get stronger. Yeah. Um physically and mentally and and um because in the past i didn't do that i just went into a fucking hole you know and so yeah so that's that's my i think that's I really guess, good I guess if it's, yeah that's that's my advice mm -hmm. and, and and i think that's um yeah that, that it, it's it's not just advice it's it's a process it's just something that you have to do and trust me when you do it you actively fucking do it everything else falls into place 
all of that emotional shit, all of that mental shit, it all falls into place when you train, practice, right? Yeah. And writing and, 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 you know, and if you're not creative, you know, people that are out there, I guess most people out that listen to this are, are, are creative, I guess. But, but writing, le- learn your own language. As someone who speaks fucking three languages, plus a little bit of Arabic, <laughs> um, you know, the re- and to, just to circle back quickly, I, I want to wrap it up. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. But, um, uh, yeah, growing up in Papua New Guinea, I spoke Papua New Guinea and Pigeon as a kid. And, um, you know, I was like one of fucking five white kids in my class. You know, we had, uh, anyway, it just, you know, like learning that language as a kid opened me up to language like so when I went to Japan, I really I picked up Japanese really quickly because I already had another language. And then since then, and Paul, you would know this, you know, how you've seen me speak Arabic. And by the way, yeah, it's, Arab- <laughs> it's like Arab- Arabic where everyone says if you've been to a bank sound high school where you just pick up a few words. But the yeah. way that Dave Eastgate does, it makes it sound fluent. And he just adds a bit of gibberish in between words, but it sounds legit. So the way he does things, it's it's really funny. Did Pierre teach you that, Dave? <laughs> Pierre did, and but also I did a gig um, for the army in Egypt uh, and Dubai before I met Pierre. Actually, yes, it is well before I met Pierre. Oh. No, there's another story about Pierre which I won't share. But I'm gonna cut that. Just cut that. I'll tell you guys off camera, but it's just too long and involved. We'll, we'll talk about it another time. Uh, no, so so way before I met Pierre, I went to Egypt um, with the Australian Army and did some gigs in Egypt and Dubai and. Um, and that's where Boner Contention was formed. You've got the T-shirt in the background there. Oh, I've always what? wanted to know how was it formed because I've asked yeah. the other guys and they was, oh, we met Dave. I'm like, yeah, but there should be like a background story. But I knew you had a you had obviously different members before Pierre and Blake did. But I just want yeah. to hear the background how you started that band all those years ago as well. Yeah. So, um, so I went to Egypt with the army. I met these guys. Um, who were already in a band. So when you go and do these shows for the army, you um, there's a band, there's a couple of singers, there's a you know um, some presenters, a couple of celebrities, and and a, and a comedian, you know, or a couple of comedians, as in our case. And I don't know if you guys know, but we have troops on the border in Egypt and Israel. At the border of Egypt and Israel, there's Australian troops that monitor the peace between Egypt and Israel. And um, it's a small number of troops, but there's it's also an international group of troops. My brother has served over there in that in that um, place. That's in the Sinai Desert, um, and um, 
to get there, you fly into Cairo and you drive across the peninsula of the Sinai Desert. It's amazing, incredible. Um, so anyway, I met the band there and then that band, I said, why don't you guys be my band and we'll do Bone Extension. We did that. And then I met Jordan McDonald from Frankie's Pizza and I met him when I was a stand-up comedian. Uh, what? Sorry. I was doing stand-up comedy in like 2010, I think, maybe. And he was a barman at one of the stand-up comedy venues that I did. Um, the other band kind of did their own thing. We just kind of broke up. And then I put on a show um, for the comedy festival um, as a solo artist, my my first show at the Comedy Festival was I Wish I Had a Band. And then I thought, well, I guess the next show that I have to do has to, has a, have, has to have a band. So I created a band and we did a show called Rock and Roll Glory Hole. And um, there was an, at the time, just before I put the band together, there was another band from Ireland check these guys out called dead cat bounce dead cat bounce and it's some the meaning of that escapes me but it's something to do with financial markets anyway um dead cat bounce with this irish band and they came this comedy band and they came out and they had an electric drum kit which i have an electric drum kit and i just loved the way they did shit and we were staying, we did all these shows at the Sydney Comedy Store together and we're staying in the same hotel and we're having just on the piss one night, having this great night. And um, their drummer, Darren, um, did uh, said that his, he had this idea for a band called Boner Contention. And I said, that's the best name in the world. And he said, is that we can have it? I was like, dude, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. So, so yeah, shout out to Darren from fucking Decap Bounce um, for the name. But uh, anyway, so then Jordan. I got Jordan and his brother Joel to join and we did this show at the comedy, uh, comedy festival called Rock and Roll Glory Hall. Um, and then uh, they were busy with, obviously Jordan was busy with Frankie's and Joel was busy with his own band. Um, and they had a karaoke band called Jungle Rump. Um, and they had a host of their show, you know, they had this rock and roll karaoke thing. It was all, it was all you know, it's all Jordan, you know. Mm. And, um, and you know, Joel from the world famous Frankie's yeah. house band. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so they had this karaoke thing and they were like, look, we've got this new bar, Frankie's Pizza, and Joel's going to do the house band. Do you want to do the karaoke band? We've got to get, oh, in between. Oh, fuck, there's the in between that. <laughs> um, there's an in between that where I meet 
I'll be doing this TV show. God damn it. Oh, God, it's such a long story. <laughs> we do this TV show. I'm doing a TV show called Wednesday Night Fever. It's a sketch comedy show on the ABC. I'm one of the actors in it. And I also get cast as the house band. The producer of the show um, came and saw Rock and Roll Glory Hole at uh, this comedy club in the comedy festival. And loved it and wanted to um, have us as the house band of his new show. And we did that. And, um, but Joel and Jordan couldn't do it. So I had to find a drummer and a um, guitarist. I had a bass player in Andy Darsana. Um, shout out to Andy Darsana, who was, uh, who was the bass player out of the Jungle Rump karaoke band. So me and Andy were a team. And then Andy suggested a couple of people and a couple of people suggested a few people. And I called this guy and it was Ben Grant, who's a guitar player. Um, from Western Sydney and his brother, Andrew Grant, uh, who's a drummer. Mm. And um, I got the both of them in. We recorded an album with that lineup with Ben and Andrew. Um, and then uh, Ben couldn't um, tour and Ben couldn't commit to the karaoke thing. And, and uh, for various reasons and, and we needed a guitar player and Andy Darsana, because we got off this karaoke thing. And Andy Darsana kind of said, oh, there's this guy that I play in a band with called Big Way Out. And there's this guy, Pierre Ishak, who can play guitar. And he brought Pierre in and then, um, and then Andy left because Andy had to go, uh, he, he's had a kid and, or he's, no, sorry, he's only just recently had a kid, but he, he had his, him and his partner were, were going to settle down and, and they moved away. Um, they moved out of Sydney. Hang and, on, Dave, can I just, can I just say one thing is we, when we had Pierre on, Pierre told a different side of this story where you guys met at a Metallica concert. <laughs> well, man, go back and, Listen to that story. <laughs> I won't tell that story. That was the story I was trying to avoid before. Um, yeah. <laughs> so was that the first meeting? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like Pierre was in the crowd and he wanted to get into the VIP area. And <laughs> I was in the VIP area and, but, yeah, through a set of circumstances that was, you know, like so lucky to be in that position. But yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I've been backstage with Metallica a few times and, and. Is Pierre Kirk Hammett like. <laughs> and, and so that's the beautiful thing is that it's this amazing fucking thing where Pierre's this this guy. So that was the thing about phone contention when we started at Frankie's Pizza. 
Pierre and I didn't know that this had occurred. You know, we had no idea. And then, um, and it was Andy Darsana, the old bass player, who said, who was, he said to me to tell Pierre my Metallica story, which is how I met Metallica. But we'll save it for episode two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, anyway, I told my story and then he started telling his story and then it kind of, it kind of merged and like, he was like, are you that guy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. And he's like, I'm this guy. And I'm like, you're that guy? Oh, my fucking God. He's like, do you remember? Do you remember these two guys? And I was like, yeah, I do remember two guys grabbing me and going, can you get us in? And me going, no, I can't get you in. And, and this fucking Kirk Hammett looking guy. <laughs> go. I'm in a Metallica tribute band. I'm going, no doubt you are, brother. <laughs> like, no doubt you fucking are. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just so wonderful that he's such a Kirk Hammett fanatic mm. that, um, and one day well, I was hoping to do it for this tour, but COVID intervened. You know, I've got some connections in the Metallica camp. Um, actually, Kurt gave me his email address. He never wrote back. I should, you know what? I should, I should send a follow-up email, but with Pierre's fucking photo. Oh man, that's He's just so good. Pierre's so good. Kids out there, go and check out uh, my YouTube page, Dave Eastgate. Check out my Instagram at Dave Eastgate. Check out all the fucking. MySpace, Tinder, Grinder, adultmatchmaker.com, Christian Mingle, you know, Paul's on it all. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm subscribed to everything, mate. It's cost Paul's me a fortune my, to keep you. Paul, yeah, Paul's <laughs> on my only fan. <laughs> he keeps Precious. going up every month, but that's worth it. We'll put that yeah. in the description. He's in, man. Hey, Miss, you're going to get on my only fans. It's where you pay. Um, you paid me to watch you wank. <laughs> and I just watch. I don't do anything. I just watch you wank. <laughs> and shove dildos up your ass. <laughs> um, and I wank is, is basically what happens. But, um, but yeah, so for Fans those funny. out there, if you don't know Pierre is, check out all my socials. You'll find Pierre. He's the Kirk Hammett of, uh, of he's the Lebanese Kirk Hammett. And he's my Kirk Hammond. He's my bone of contention. Um, so, yeah. So there's the story, boys. That's Fine. the story so That's far. Cool. I hope, I hope uh, you guys have had some fun tonight. I've had, a, I've had a ball. Oh, good to hear, Dave. It was good to get you on as well, man. I've been looking forward to your week. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, Paulie. And get the fuck off my screen. Go back to home. <laughs> All right. So do you want to do you want to do you want to wrap it up here? But before we do, I just want to say for the for the entirety that we've done this podcast, um, Paul told you briefly at the start um, when we first started this podcast, I watched the Ronnie Chang um, <clears throat> uh, TV show that they had on Stan at the time about him being an international exchange student, and I was like, dude, there's this there's this. 
there's this crazy guy in that show that's like this Aussie Aussie party dude who's teaching the teaching everyone how to party. And I was like, fuck, you know, what a what an energy. I wish we you know we could bring some of that to the thing. Anyway, then Paul goes and has a look at it. And he goes, that's Dave Isco. That's the guy on my shirt. And then uh, ever since then we've been going, you know, Paul's like, we have to have him on the podcast. And now it's finally fucking yeah. happened. Oh boys, uh, uh, I'm so stoked. Uh, and thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. I love what you guys are doing. You know, fucking Western Sydney representing. I'm a Gold Coast boy, bro. I'm a Gold Coast boy. I'm, uh, my postcode is Service Paradise, bro. I'm four two one seven. I'm four two one seven. I'm in Benoa. It's it's like. Do you know how like Condell Park is like Bankstown, but it's not Bankstown? No, don't give my address away. <laughs> so see, he's in Condell Park. <laughs> I fucking live. <laughs> yeah, how much well, is Condell Park? My, man, fucking for me, man, Bankstown and Condell Park. My auntie lived in Condell Park and she worked at Bankstown State High uh, in the admin at the school. And um, and my cousins went to, uh, to Bankstown High and... and um, like, oh, maybe Condell. Is there a Condell Park State High? Yeah, there's a Condell Park High School. Oh, yeah. oh, they went to Condell Park then. But I know, I know, my auntie Gwaine worked at Bankstown. But um, there is a Bankstown State High as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's Bankstown girls, but there's no boys' school anymore. It's just a oh, primary. It's... They're primary schools now, yeah. Oh, but there was back in the eighties. Mm, yeah, I heard about that. There was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, man, that's 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 where I used to, you know, for me, Sydney is Condell Park, you know, from when I was a kid. We used to go and visit her from New Guinea and all that sort of shit. So yeah, man, Western Sydney represent boys. Um, thanks for having me on the fucking podcast. Um, thanks for agreeing. Thanks, thanks for, for agreeing. Man, keep that shirt hanging on. I will, mate. I think I'm have to put in a frame after frankie's clothes i reckon hey dave i reckon, <laughs> I reckon you need to send him another one because i see that uh, i've got two i've got two necklaces of his but one of them broke actually i lost one at frankie's and then had to and then had to fix up the second necklace so i've got what one I'll, necklace still holy what i'll do i'll sign your tits <laughs> oh yeah and, and uh and then you get it tattooed okay all right, i'll get i'll put on my arm somewhere or somewhere that might be good no i'll get on your tits <laughs> okay <laughs> I only, I only autograph tits, Paulie. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, Especially yeah. yours. So I'm yeah. going to autograph your tits <laughs> and one on each tit. And it gives then, me an excuse to see you now. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to get it tattooed. Oh, fucking go. <laughs> Good on you, boys. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> me on. Oh.